Did you know I have a second podcast? That's right. Now I may be glutton for punishment, but I have a podcast with my friend Jess Campbell called Confessions with Jess and Cindy. And we dive into the behind the scenes of what it's like to consult or coach with nonprofit clients. So if you are curious at all about what it's like to be a consultant, that is a podcast that you need to check out. So today I'm actually bringing you one of the episodes from Confessions so that you can hear from actually someone who's been on this podcast before, Sabrina Walker Hernandez and her journey from going, being completely burnt out to starting uh, consulting and what that's allowed her to do. So this is great, even if you're just curious and like to know behind the scenes things, uh, but we get into a lot of nitty gritty details over on that podcast. So uh, consultants, or if you're consulting curious, go check out Confessions. And as you know, I'm Cindy, your host for the Small Nonprofit Podcast, where we bring you practical down-to-earth advice on how to get more done for your small organization. You are going to change the world, and we're here to help. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to share an episode of my other podcast, Confessions with Jess and Cindy, and you will hear a very real and raw transition of moving from in-house executive director to consulting and what that's been like for Sabrina Walker-Hernandez. Welcome to the Confessions Podcast. I'm Cindy Wagman. And I'm Jess Campbell. We're two former in-house nonprofit pros turned coaches and consultants to purpose-driven organizations. After years of building up our separate six-figure businesses from scratch, we've thrown a lot of spaghetti at the wall and have lived to see what sticks. We're on a mission to help other nonprofit coaches and consultants looking to start or scale their own businesses past the six-figure mark by pulling back the curtain. Whether you're still working inside a nonprofit and thinking of one day going out on your own, or you've been running your consulting business for years, you understand that working with nonprofits is just different. We're giving you access to the business leaders who serve nonprofits as their clients. You know, the people who truly get it. No more gatekeeping, no more secrets. This podcast is going to give you an inside look at what running a successful nonprofit coaching and consulting business looks like. Basically, we're asking people how much money they make, how they get paid, and what has and hasn't worked in their businesses. Listen in as these leaders share their insights, their numbers, and the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to building a nonprofit coaching or consulting business. We're going to empower you to make the power moves that give you the income and freedom you set out to create from day one. You ready? Let's go. Welcome everyone to the Confessions Podcast. It is my absolute honor and privilege to welcome our guest today, the one and only Sabrina Walker Hernandez of Supporting World Hope. Let's have it. Yay. We're so excited to chat with you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for, you know, inviting me to this stage. I'm pretty excited about what we're going to be talking about. Well, and you have kind of really come onto the stage in a blazing way. And we're going to get into that in a second. But for people who aren't familiar with you and your work, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came into the world of consulting for nonprofit organizations? 
Yeah, it, it, it is a story. So I retired in 2018 um, after being uh, in an organization for 20 years. I was the CEO of the organization. Um, and in 2018, though, I actually I got diagnosed with cancer. I got diagnosed with um, lymphoma and multiple myeloma, which are both blood cancers, both related to stress, lifestyle and all that stuff like that. So I was a successful nonprofit CEO, but it came at a cost, of course. And so when I was in the hospital um, undergoing a stem cell transplant, I just knew that I did not want anyone else to go through this. I knew it was time for me to retire. I also knew I didn't want anybody else to go through what I had went through. So I thought, how can I help my fellow nonprofit um, professionals uh, you know, in this journey. And I thought I have so much information in my head. I know what I will do. I will start um, supporting World Hope, hence the name Supporting World Hope, because nonprofit professionals give hope to the world. And I want to be there to support them uh, through that journey. So I started this this practice. Amazing. And can you specifically tell us and the fine folks listening in, how do you get paid? So how do I get paid? So my first thing was, before I say how I get paid, let me just tell you what I invested in, right? <laughs> because I had to get some clarity around. It's one thing to sit in a hospital room and be like, okay, this is what I wanted to do. But I had to get some clarity around what services I wanted to provide and what message I wanted to take forward. So I actually um, invested in a um, a coach um, myself because I've, I've run a nonprofit, um, not necessarily in the business world. Now, I mean, I've always knew that running a nonprofit is like running a business, but there's still some elements to it that I didn't feel comfortable with. So I invested um, in a coaching program and in a coach to help me clarify my message. And so I'm proudly say that um, I help um, nonprofits and small businesses build relationships that increase revenue. I'm a generalist. In other words, so I really focus on um, four categories of service, and we'll get into that. Um, but what I, how I make money, right? Because that's the whole point. How I make money is a couple of things. I write blog posts. I'm going to tell you everything. So I write blog posts for others. At first, when I first launched my company, I was doing all my own blog posts. Right. And I was like, well, nobody's really reading them. And how do I get traction? I didn't understand that part of it. But then um, after a while, people were reading them and I was getting approached by different companies to write blog posts for them. And we know the traditional like Bloomerang, Neon One, Donor Perfect, all of those. Um, and so after a while, I was like, you know, I'm not going to write blog posts because I was writing. I was cranking those suckers out like once a week. Right. Um, and putting them on my site and doing all that. And then I thought, no, I'm just going to write for the people who are going to pay me. <laughs> and so that's a stage, right? So I'm going to write for those people. And so I generate, I mean, it's not a lot, maybe like $5,000 a year in writing blog posts for others and putting it out there. But it, not only does it put it out there, um, it allows me free marketing. So it comes back, you know? Um, so that's one way I generate revenue. Another way that I generate revenue is that I am a trainer. I do um, facilitation, 
board training. Um, I go into small businesses and do leadership training. Um, so that's another way. Uh, I do strategic planning um, as well. That's why I say I'm a generalist because I do fundraising. I do fundraising coaching and executive coaching. Um, and that's the way that I bring in revenue into my organis- to my organization, into my business. And I that, have a course. And I have a course. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that your revenue streams are so clear. Yeah. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how did it start off? I mean, you said you worked with a coach. Did it start off clear? Or how did you get to the point where you're like, okay, here's what I offer? It's so clean. I love it. Yeah, it did not start off clear. I that's what the coach helped me with. And not only um the coach helped me with, but looking at people like Jess and looking at people like yourself. Like I I I think emulation is fat flattery. That's just the way I operate. And so I look at what others are doing and our community is so generous, right? I felt very comfortable reaching out to different people to say, you know, I'm struggling with this. What have you done? I'm this or that. And and everybody has been so generous with providing that information that it's been wonderful. I will say another passive revenue source is um, I created, you know, my funnel with kits. I do free webinars and things like that. But as a part of my upsell um, to that, there's kits that you can buy. And then my greatest revenue source is the summit that I put on. Um, that's one of my greatest revenue sources. And I really enjoy putting on that summit. It's actually coming up in, in October. So it's um, that that's another revenue source. So I'm a, a generalist and I dabble in a little bit of everything. It's like when I ran my nonprofit, I said, you have to diversify. You cannot have one source of your funding come from, you know, one revenue stream. So... One thing I'm thinking about when you're talking about these different um, revenue sources and streams is how you get leads. Like, where are your clients in general coming from? Um, is that, you know, word of mouth, your marketing ads? Um, it is not ads. Um, <laughs> I don't do ads. Um, it is a lot of marketing. It's the newsletter. Um, I have pe- I have a newsletter that goes out once a week. It is uh, my Facebook group. I have over 5,000 people in my Facebook group. It is my social media, being active on social media. I started out in Facebook because I'm old. That's where I felt comfortable, right? Right. That's just my world. And then once I mastered Facebook, everybody said you have to be on Instagram. So I learned Instagram. I'm not as good at Instagram. I know Jess, you'll send me a message. It might take me a week to get back. Um, so I'm still learning, you know, the Instagram, but everybody's like, gotta be on Instagram. But my three platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I'm constantly using schedules, planners. My the Facebook planner is awesome now because it allows you to schedule on LinkedIn, I mean on Facebook and um, Instagram at the same time. And you can tweak the message for each one. And then Buffer I use for um, LinkedIn so I can schedule my content. Um, so I'm real active in that marketing game. Um, I think that you have to 
One, establish your expertise. And this is what I learned from from my coach. You have to establish your expertise. You have to go into different groups and different um, platforms and you have to um, provide knowledge. Um, The other great marketing tool is securing other people's stages, being guests on podcasts, you know, writing those blogs, um, you know, uh, doing webinars and hosting webinars on other people's platform. That has been really key in, in the success. So one thing, again, I'm thinking of, I mean, you're, I have so many questions. You should see my written down list. Um, is I know how much work, Cindy knows how much work goes into working in your business versus on your business. And I'm curious as to... If you were to guess, what percentage of your time goes to working on your business versus in your business? Jesus, I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm learning. Okay, I'm a in progress person. I know one of the things that. Okay, let's be honest. How much is in and how much is on? I think sixty forty. It could be better. Um, but I love marketing, so I don't give that to anybody because I absolutely love it. I do have a virtual assistant that helps me um, with some things, um, but I spend a lot of time um, on the business as well as in the business. I know there's some things that I need to give up, but I love the marketing piece. I listened to something that you said, Jess, I think I went, went to one of your conferences or something and I finally gave up um, doing my own finances. I was like, why am I doing that? I don't need to do that. So I, I gave that up. Don't. <laughs> I gave that up. <laughs> so, I love that. The first thing I gave up was was a bookkeeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. One of the things that Jess and I love to talk about offline, and I feel like we need to bring this into the conversation here, is getting paid for your knowledge and expertise as a writer or I'm going to use in quotes, thought leader here. I mean, you talk about revenue coming from writing blogs for other people. I know most of our listeners have written blogs, done webinars, you know, spoken on stages for free over and over and over again. And we're trying to change that. And you seem to have some of that figured out. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how... Do you like how has that worked for you? How do you make decisions around do you do stuff for free anymore? What goes into that? And how do you how do you just put down your foot around your your worth and value? I still do some things for free. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I still do some things for free. Um, but the questions that I ask are how, what's your email list like? Um, can I share a lead magnet? Um, you know, all of those things, because I know if I can do that, then that is going to garner um, more leads for me. Um, so it depends on how they answer the questions. Right. Um, and again, those questions are um, what what how many contacts do you have? Can I share a lead magnet? All of those things like that. But I'm also of the mind of looking at the company and seeing what they're trying to do. Um, and then um, if that aligns with my values, then I usually go for it. It's not necessarily are they paying me for it a lot of times. Um, but 
at the same time, right? I'm in a business. And so you have to know going up front, here are my rates. Here is what this is. If you want what I bring to the table, this is how much it's going to cost. Do Can we negotiate? Yes, we can. I, I'm not I'm not opposed to negotiating. I'm okay with that. But know that um, you're a business. I'm a business. We're trying to create a win-win situation here. I love that. That's very helpful. I think it's also okay for people listening in to know that it's a case-by-case basis and you you call the shots, right? One thing I'm thinking about is knowing that you are a long-time successful nonprofit leader and fundraiser. Um, you know, the difference that you feel from working inside the nonprofit space and raising millions of dollars compared to what it's like to sell quote unquote yourself mm-hmm. and the difference in the mindset you've had to work for. Um, I know Cindy and I have done work. I'm doing a lot of still work on the whole selling piece. And I'm just curious, you know, what's the difference in your opinion or how you've approached um, the business? You just said, I'm in it for the business, right? Like you're not here to be a nonprofit. So I'm just curious how you've navigated that mindset shift from your nonprofit life, which I know a lot of our listeners are from as well. So shifting into this for-profit space can be a real challenge. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a challenge. I, I still deal with it every day. It's, it's an ongoing process, right? Um, so know that you're not alone. It's an ongoing process. However, you also need to know what your, what your worth is and what value you bring to the table. I remember my first, um, you know how you get, when you're first starting out, guys, you take everything. That's just the way it is. You're just worried. You take everything. Um, And then you go through this space where you're like, okay, this is what I want to do. These are clients I want to work with. Here are my rates. And then you get to that point where you put that rate before someone and you think it's a go and they say no. You know, and you feel bad Um, and you think, man, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't have came so hard. But at the end of the day, you know your value, you know your worth, you know what you have to put into it to produce the quality of work that you do. And so it's okay if people say no, that just means that they were not your ideal client, right? And you keep doing you, you keep putting your social proof out there, you keep doing all those things and you believe it or not, they'll come back sometimes. (laughs) They will come back because what they, you get what you pay for. So they'll go to someone that maybe doesn't have as much experience or they have a different type of experience and they waste money and then they'll come back. Um, And if they don't, they were never meant to be and it's okay. I always say, well, my mama always say, and now I have adopted it. God takes care of babies and fools, okay? And so if God protects you from a certain client, he is taking care of you, fool. Just embrace it. Okay, we're back with another rapid fire round of questions with the one and only Sabrina Walker Hernandez. Sabrina, you ready to play? I am. Okay, first question. Share with us who some of your favorite teachers, coaches, or helpers are um, that you've learned from to improve your business. 
So um, I'm going to start off with Pete Vargas. Um, he was the one of the workshops, the coaching that I signed up for. So I'm going to shout out Pete Vargas. And then I'm going to shout out Ashley Kirkwood. Um, she's good with the speaking part. Awesome. So it's giving season. I would love to know what is the number one gift you love to give? The number one gift I love to give is anything that I make with my own hands. I love crafting. Oh, like what? Oh, girl, I can craft you some paintings. I can craft you a necklace. I can craft you some earrings. I'm a crafter. I like crafting. Oh, no way. I didn't know that about you. That's fun. And my last question is, outside of work, how do you enjoy spending your free time? Oh, I love spending my free time with my grandkids. Oh, how That's old the are best. they? They are nine. I have two three-year-olds and then a two-year-old. So oh, I have four of them. Super, yeah, so super fun. fun. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, thank you for playing. Thank you. I love that. <laughs> I want to talk, I want to sort of bring this back full circle to what you, your story that you shared with us at the beginning of like basically burnout, but a very yeah. extreme burnout that uh, really compromised your health. Yeah. And I think we are sold this bill of goods around consulting that like, I get to be in control and I'm going to, you know, have work-life balance and like, I've been doing this for seven years. This is the first year I've really felt that I've been in that position. So I'd love to hear, like, has that changed for you? How do you put up the boundaries if you if you have them? Um, are you working less? Are you working more, but it feels different? Like, what is that? How does that show up now? How that shows up? That's a very good question, because when I first started, um, I was used to the addicting behavior that I displayed in my nonprofit. I was creating the same kind of chaos and deadlines for myself that I had over there. It was normal. It's what I gravitated towards. And I had to get some help around that. So getting, and it's no, it's not wrong to get help. When you know you have a problem, get help. And I had to get some help around that. So having gotten help and gone through that process, there's a certain things that I do now. I still, people say you still create too much stuff, Sabrina. You're always busy. And I have a friend that says, I'm never busy. I'm productive. Okay, so let's start there. I am productive. And so I have my calendar and I have my schedule and I schedule everything in, including family time, including all everything. Right. And then there's little tricks that I have to do for myself because of who I am and my addicting personality. So I have to put my cell phone on sleeper mode at a certain time. I have to charge my cell phone in a whole nother room so that I don't have access to it. When I take, I still take my laptop with me to my bedroom, but I take my laptop and I don't take the charging cord. So when the laptop goes dead, that is it. These are little things that I have to do for myself because of my personality and how I am. But I did have to have someone help me through that process. So now as a consultant, right? I do 
get to be as busy as I want to be. And you don't have to take every client and you don't have to do every job. And that's the part that I appreciate more um, than working for a nonprofit. Because, you know, when you work for a nonprofit, everybody's dependent on you for their salary. Everybody as a CEO. Now, you know what? If I don't want to work, that's my salary. I'm only impacting me and I'm okay with that. So it's a little bit of a difference for me. I love those examples. And as someone that is chronically busy, um, you can probably tell by my eyes, um, <laughs> that those are just really great examples. And I aspire to be you. One of my goals is to charge my cell phone outside of my room um, too. So I love those just concrete examples. Yeah. Don't do it in the bathroom though, because then the port will get water in it and it goes green. So do it in another Good tip. Good tip. <laughs> so one of the things that came up while you were telling us about managing um, kind of your energy is I'm curious because you do so many different revenue streams and they come does one thing over the other light you up? Have you figured that out? So you're like, I'm going to double down on that because I actually am not exhausted after a day of X versus, oh my gosh, I have to really limit how much I do Y. I'm just curious if any of that has bubbled up over oh, the years. Yes. Okay, well, I what are those? love facilitation and I love um, training. Absolutely love. That gives me energy. That's what I like to do. Um, strategic planning can drain me a little bit. So I only do maybe like five a year, right? Um, but um, it's still facilitation. So the facilitation part of strategic planning gears me up. And then where I have to sit down and, you know, do the plan and da, 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 that part kind of brings me down. Um, so there's that. Consulting, I do not also like um, the done-for-you services. Does that sound bad? I don't like the done-for-you services. So if you want me to consult with you, it's a VIP consulting day and you pay me for that day. So it is priced at a premium because I don't like to do it. <laughs> so if you want me and you want me to do it, you're going to pay me to do it. Right. So that's that's that. And then before I even started my business, I knew I absolutely hate grant writing. You cannot pay me enough to do grant writing. So it's not a part of my service plan. Can I do it? Yes. Did I do it? Yes. But it brings me so far down that you can't pay me enough to do it. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of clients out there for grant writing. I get it all the time, but you can't pay me enough to do it. I know. Seriously, bless the people that want to do grant writing. Yes. Yep. Um, the next question I want to turn back to a little bit is you mentioned kind of just briefly that you have this 5,000 strong person <laughs> Facebook group, which is especially these days, not an easy feat to achieve. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've built that Facebook group and what it does for you in your business? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm going to shout out um, Shauna Douglas. Um, and she um, had a, she has a course that helps you grow your Facebook group. Um, and I took her course and took her coaching. Look, I'm all about if you don't know how to do something, Invest in learning how to do it and work with the people who know how to do it because you're going to, time is money. 
Now, could I figure it out? Yeah, I could figure it out. There's YouTube and all that for everything. But time is money. So why would I do that? You know, go down that Google rabbit hole. I'm going to pay somebody who knows what they're doing. So anyway, um, Shauna Douglas, shout out, shout out, shout out. Um, So um, there's some things that we did to grow the group. It was all organic. It's bringing value. It's, um, you know, uh, going into other people's group, answering their questions. People will follow you. It's getting on those stages and sharing out your group information. It's that consistency in marketing. It's all of those things. But I have, yeah, I have over 5,000 people and I look at the analytics and I will be honest with you, over those 5,000 people, there's probably half that are active because Facebook tells you that. And that's, to me, that's still good. And so what I do in my group to um, impact my revenue is I um, I put my services in there. Here are my services, but it's not about selling. So it really is a, uh, I use a percentage. <laughs> so 60% is like curated content. And I learned this also from, and I'll shout out another name, Rochelle um, Ed Edrington. Um, she's a marketing uh, person who's very good. So 60% is like curated content. I'm sharing, quote, I'm motivating you. I'm doing all those kinds of things. And then 20% is um, um, knowledge. So I do free coaching. Um, I do um live challenges. I do sipping tea interviews um, where, you know, I bring in other experts because I'm not afraid to bring in someone else who also fundraises because just everybody wants something different. My personality might not fit with with you. And so I want people to know there's multiple options out there and everybody might do something different. So I bring in different speakers, whether it's on cybersecurity, whether it's on branding, whether it's on marketing, whether it's on fundraising, all those kinds of things. Um, and then the other 20% is my is where we call the icky stuff. I still feel icky. It's sales. You know what? I do executive coaching. I do this. I, here's a kit that I have. This is what, you know, I do, you know, all of those things. So that's kind of the formula that I use and it's it's been working out pretty well. And what happens is it's a long-term game because at first I was like, this group crap is not working. I'm going to be very honest with you. I was like, this, this is some bull. I'm putting a lot of time in this and it ain't working. And as soon as I was about to give up, that's when I people started reaching out to me. So people, what I realized in Facebook groups, on YouTube channels, all, social media, people are looking and just because they're not engaging doesn't mean that they will not engage. You show up, you be consistent, you keep saying your message. And when, especially in a nonprofit world, when they have a project, and they they will think of you. So you you got to be at the forefront of your, of their thoughts. All you're doing is staying consistent and making them think of you. Oh yeah, I think she does this. Let me reach out to her. Oh, I know she does this. Let me reach out to her. I love that description yeah. of patience because I think we forget sometimes or I know a lot of people I've seen they sort of put themselves out there and they get 
they take it as a, a reflection of their own value if they don't get people responding or engaging uh, or booking them right away. And they don't think that it takes time. And I love that you, you explain that. And I also want to ask you about your Facebook group versus your email list, because um, you know, we're, again, we're sort of like taught that email is everything. And, um, I'd love to know how you manage those two. What you talked about, what goes in the Facebook group, how does it differ from your email list? Do you, are they the same people? Are they different? What has that looked like? Well, so at first I was making a rookie mistake in my Facebook group requiring that people put their email. And the reason why I was doing that, because I was automatically subscribing them to my um, um, email list, right? And so, um, and if you didn't put your email, I was declining you. And they were like, no, 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 don't do that. (laughs) So I learned to not to do that. Even if they don't put their email, they still get approved. And then you give them um, a chance to raise their hand in your group. And that's how you capture their email. So you might put a um, a PDF of something, a checklist or something and say, who wants this? And then they say yes. And then you send them the link to your funnel and they get on your email list. So don't have that fight. That's one. Um, the email list um, is separate from the Facebook group, right? Um, I have more in my Facebook group than I have on my email list, believe it or not. And I'm okay with that. Because my emails come to you once a week. I understand that getting a lot of emails make people nervous. Well, I'm going to say this. It makes me nervous. I get so shaky because I feel like for me, an email is like um, a things to do list. And so what I want to do is clean out my email box as soon as I can. So if you are on my email list, I really like you. You bring value. Right. And so that's what I strive to do. I strive to bring value. And so with my email um, newsletter, it's changed. And so now I do like the fabulous five. And that is really the how to how to set up your Facebook group. How to do is the, I'm looking for, I'll go look for um, something like that. Maybe Jess wrote. Or I'll go to Jess and just I think you have a thank you template or something like that. I'll share that as one of my fabulous five. It's that concrete stuff. So people don't have to go searching all over the Internet for stuff like that. And then I'll share a free resource. And then I always share two grant sources because it don't matter how much I tell people you're new. You're not going to get a grant. You know, they want the, they want that information. So you got to give the people what they want. Um, so I give the people what they want. And then I do the professional build, you know, professional development. Here's uh, workshops that are coming up in the in the community. Um, and so I, I break all the rules when it comes to email. I send my email on Fridays at six o'clock and I only have like two graphics. It's all text. Jess, I actually got that from you. You made a comment one time about, let's see how this goes. Like research says less pictures. People don't want the pictures. So I was like, let me try that. So I get like a 35% open, you know, 35% open rate. People actually look forward to the emails. So that, 
I do believe in having your email list because remember that day Facebook went down? You have to remember Facebook owns that data. LinkedIn owns that data. Instagram owns that data. But my email list is mine. And so if let's say Facebook went down for more than two days, at least I can still communicate with people using my email. So do you ever sell an email? Do you ever say my waitlist is open or I'm selling my course or? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. What I do is at the very top of my email is my quick links. It's highlighted. It stands out. It has um, a tool. Every it has a toolkit in there. You know, I was trying to be, I was trying to be nice and not sell on my email. So I was putting, you know, work with me and all that at the bottom of the email, right? And I was like, nobody goes down there. I know they say the PS they do, but nobody goes down there. I was looking at the analytics. I'm like, they stopped reading about midway through this e- this um this email. So I'm gonna put it at the very top. I'm gonna be bold about it. I'm gonna put it at the very top. And so I do, and it made a difference. And so I try to highlight there that right. And then I also on Tuesday I try not to. I send an email once a week. But if I have something I really want to push, you will expect to hear from me on a Tuesday as well. So if it's something like a course or, you know, my summit, something like that, I'll send it on the Friday as a quick link. But then I'll send you a dedicated email on a Tuesday specifically about that summit or that item or that course. So that seems to have worked. You know, you got to kind of be your own, like, best advocate and ambassador, right? If you bury yourself down at the bottom of your own communication, where does that tell people you're at? You know, what what value are you (laughs) espousing yourself? So, oh my goodness, (laughs) such wisdom. Everyone needs to hear that again. Um, We're running out of time, which is so sad, but I want to ask you, we love asking for like confessions. So like, What's the one thing that you like maybe don't want to admit uh, that I love for those listening, <laughs> Sabrina and Jess are like dancing around to Asha, which <laughs> you, you know, heard of my confessions. <laughs> Sorry. It's just, you gotta say it. Okay, it yeah. Yeah. Um, this is not the first time it's come up on the podcast and it won't be the last, but I'd love to know, especially because you are so self-aware. I love how deliberate you've been with getting resources to help you where accelerate faster. And so I'd love to know what are the things that you want to work on or that you're working on coming up? Uh, the things I, I, the things I want to work on is I feel like I, and this is just, this really is a confession. Um, So I feel like I truly believe that fundraising is about building relationships. I don't think it's complicated. Um, And I think I've gotten in front of big clients, like um, big corporations like MasterCard and things like that. And I'll do my pitch. Um, And I haven't been picked up by any of them. Because I feel like I and and bigger nonprofits too, and I feel like sometimes I I keep it too simple 
that they don't value the simplicity of it. Oh, yeah. That, okay. And also, I feel like that's something that I, that's about our sector. Like, I find that sometimes people want complicated solutions because what does it mean if it's simple and they still haven't figured it out? Right. But it is that simple. (laughs) And and I can, I don't want to, I, I question myself, like, yeah, I can go in and do all these graphics and case studies, and I don't want to play that game. But I think at some point I might have to if I want to elevate. I don't know. I'm still deciding. Um, I really am struggling with it. I'm still deciding. Well, when you land on a decision, uh, you'll have to come back and let us know how it goes. So as we wrap up this call, Sabrina, thank you again for your transparency. You're just such wisdom, as Cindy said, Um, your insights, your information. For anyone that is interested in just connecting with you or following along with your work, where is the best place for folks to find you? Find me on my website at www.supportingworldhope.com. From there, you can find me anywhere. Facebook, LinkedIn, but start there at the website. Thank you so much. That was so full of wisdom. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to the Confessions Podcast for nonprofit coaches and consultants. If you enjoyed today's episode, which I sure hope you did, you can show your support in one of three ways. Number one, post a screenshot of this episode to your Instagram stories or LinkedIn profile and tag Cindy and I so we can repost you. Number two, share this podcast with a fellow nonprofit coach or consultant. And number three, leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to grow and reach new listeners. And of course, make sure you subscribe so you can get the latest and greatest interviews as they drop every Thursday. And to our fellow nonprofit coaching and consulting friends, remember, we're an open book and here to answer your burning biz questions. See you next time.